We're all smiles here in the Ag PhD radio studio today for Farmer Friday because our nephew Graham is working the phone lines, I think, today, helping his mom out a little bit in the studio. And uh, we are excited because there are a lot of agronomic questions right now. If you've got an agronomic question or want to talk about things that are happening on your farm, our phone lines are open at 844 844- 44 ag phd you can always email us radio at ag phd.com brian i'll be honest i did try to get graham to take your seat today i thought you know a fresh voice on the show might not be a bad thing and and graham's uh, much better looking than you are too so that's not a bad thing either i don't know if we'll actually get graham to answer the phone but if you call in you can ask for graham so anyway uh, it is farmer friday today if you'd like to call in 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute, but uh, before we do, I'd just say we really feel for the farmers out there who are struggling to still get that crop in yet this spring. It's just, it, it's kind of crazy. We've talked about it often on the show here, but we have been bone dry for two years now, and we're still really dry here. So we had no issues at all getting a crop in this spring, but there are a lot of other areas that... We're dry and now all of a sudden they're excessively wet. So anyway, we're praying for some for some of the right weather for all of you out there. So you get the crop in and take advantage of some of these high prices that we've got. Uh, I, I, I'd also say, too, we've got a lot of people talking about, hey, what am I going to do going into next year? In, in, ter- in other words, should I be buying inputs right now? What does that look like for next year? There's a lot that's unknown yet, and it's a long time from now until when you put that crop in. I would say we're getting indications right now that seed corn is going to be up, and I mean like way up, like $30 to $40 a bag. Uh, but you never know. We could be wrong on that too. Last year we thought that seed corn was going to be up 10 to $20 a bag, and it turned out to be up zero. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. But right now, that, that's probably the biggest thing I'm hearing that's supposed to be way up. The fertilizer is what a lot of people have been talking about, that, hey, fertilizer is really high priced. I mean, I don't like today's fertilizer prices either. I, 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 we've continued to uh, push off our ni- last nitrogen buying. I mean, I, we had the chance last fall, and I said, nope, too high. Had the chance this spring, I said, nope, too high. Had the chance this week, I said, nope too high. We're, we're still waiting. We're trying to wait till the very last minute and hoping by some miracle that crop or that the uh, nitrogen prices come down just a little bit before we need to throw a little bit more on our crop. But for next year, we just don't know, quite frankly, what's going to happen with the oil price and the fertilizer price. I, I mean, there's, there's a lot that could change between now and then. And here's the other thing. I think very often back to 2008 when fertilizer was just as high as it was today. And by spring that year, it got to be half price. So could we have super high fertilizer prices this fall? And by next spring, it's half price? It's possible. I don't know. I mean, it could go higher than that too. We just don't know. But I I often think about whenever we're, we're talking about buying products ahead, our dad would say, all right, are we at a, an all-time high? We at an all-time low? What's our risk either way? Do we have downside risk? Do we have upside risk? What's, what's the risk factor look like? Well, when I figure I'm buying at an all-time high price, how much higher can it really go? As opposed to, hey, I got a lot that it could go down. So that's why a couple years ago, we bought up all kinds of fertilizer for our farm because I figured, how can I lose? I'm at a 15-year low. 
And right now I'm saying, I don't know. I'm going to wait till the last possible minute to buy because we're at an all-time high. So anyway, we will uh, we'll be taking your phone calls and answering your questions throughout the show. Right now we want to get to the phone lines. Got Kelly calling in from up in North Dakota. Kelly, how are you today? Hey, Brian, pretty good. Good. How are you guys? Doing great. Yeah, I got to talk to... Graham, he's, he's already doing a great job. So that's awesome. <laughs> yep, yep. He's a young, he's a young, young, young guy. But well, people uh, <laughs> are always asking, you know, what's what's it going to look like here? Do you get a next generation coming up? Well, here's one of them, and and he's ready to start working today. So that's great. That's this is what happens when you get done with school, Kelly, and your mom says you're coming to work with me. Uh, yeah, well, I, I uh, recognize the happy helper. So, yep. uh, say, you know, I had the pleasure of podcasting, I believe it's yesterday's episode on fungicide and wheat. Yeah. I don't know if I was off an episode or not, but, you know, you guys always do such a good job. I, I thought the discussion was a little anemic, so I, I had a, a couple questions for you. Go ahead. So... Uh, you know, on our farm, you know, we always say, you oh, know, the wheat's got rust or it's got tan spot. You know, we're kind of always a little late. Plus, it's usually dead because of drought. Yep. I was wondering about, you know, certainly we could do a better job scouting, but I was wondering about sending uh, tissue off for analysis to a plant pathologist. Yep. And what you can expect back from a plant pathologist, will they culture that and give you susceptibility? Not that I know of. They will culture that and tell you what kind of disease you actually have out there. So the other comment that you made is just about scouting and being a little too late. I always tell people, look, if you think you're ever going to scout for fungicide and spray, you, you can try it, but the success you're going to have is going to be very minimal. Uh, uh, you, with fungicides, they're really good at preventing disease. They're lousy at curing disease. So you have to have it out there ahead of time. Here's the other thing that I want you to think about. It, just for example, if let's say you're in, the, in day one of you got a little cold, you feel a little under the weather. If you're walking down the street, People look at you and they go, oh, you look just fine. But you can feel it inside, right? Now, day two starts getting pretty bad. Maybe day three, it's really bad. Oh, everybody can see it now. It's kind of the same thing with the diseases we have in crops. Before you are able to identify, oh, there's a disease problem out here, it's already in that plant. Now, you might say, well, that's why I want to send it to a plant pathologist. Well, think about the time that's going to take. You know, by the time you get an answer back, it's a week later, and now you've already missed the boat. So... It, it, talking to the plant pathologist is really about what you have or what you had rather than being predictive. Uh, hang on, Kelly. If you got more questions, we'll be right back after this. Take a second and listen. You hear that? That's the sound of your roots growing where they've never gone before. There are additional nutrients and water in your soil hidden in tough-to-reach spaces. With MycoApply Endoprime, hyphae attached to the root hairs to reach small areas inaccessible to big roots, even some that are tied up in the soil. Applied in furrow at planting, MycoApply Endoprime uses four, four unique species of mycorrhizal fungi to go where roots can't. 
Unlock the potential of your corn crop with MycoApply Endoprime. And by nurturing your soil today, you're helping to ensure future harvest will be just as bountiful. For more information, talk to your local retailer or visit valent.com slash endoprime. Always read and follow label instructions. Nitrogen is a mysterious nutrient. We are never sure if we have enough, too much, or even if the nitrogen we applied is still there when the plant needs it. With 360 Y-Job, you can provide just the right amount of nitrogen when and where you need it. A mid-season application lets you resupply lost nitrogen or lower your rates to get a maximum efficiency while maintaining yield potential. Put more efficiency and flexibility in your nitrogen program with 360 Y-Drop. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Just before the break, we're talking with Kelly up in North Dakota, and Brian was talking about the farmers that have had a tough time getting things in, and North Dakota has sure been a challenge getting crop in the ground this, this year. Uh, Kelly, did you have more questions, or did you want to talk about North Dakota for a minute? Oh, I had some more questions. Sure. I'm always up for talking about North Dakota. <laughs> my, my other uh, question was regarding the, the fungicides so, and application. And so in, in the past, uh, we have experience with tilt. Yep. But if we were going to adopt like a, a two-pass fungicide, one early and then one at flag leaf. Yep. And say I do tilt early and then I want to do one of those fungicides with that contains the newer three modes of action, the Conazole, the SDI, uh, and the Stroll. What, uh, is there a Bayer product that has, I know you guys mentioned some that you recommended or liked, but I, I wasn't as familiar with them. Sure. Yeah, there are several different ones out there. Let me start with this. Tilt is okay. But if it was me, I would look at something like, just as an example, and I think I threw this out yesterday, Nexacore from BSF. You can run with a low rate. A lot of people call it a half rate. It's labeled for the early application timing with herbicide. You can throw it in with herbicide. So you'll spend about maybe $3 an acre more for the Nexacore as opposed to this old tilt. Maybe maybe it's four, three, four bucks, something like that. That's it. So it's not like you have to spend much more money. And if you want to continue doing tilt, I just say compare it to Nexacore. Or like in the case of, uh, of uh, Bayer, Darren, what would you say their lead product is there? Stratego Yield, Stratego, 
you know, I, I mean, one, one of those products. So they have options as well. I mean, every one of the companies does, whether it's Syngenta, it's FMC. I, I mean, they, they, yeah, they, and they, Bear's got the Delaro, Delaro complete products. They've, they've got yep. a lot of stuff now and, and right. a lot of different modes of action, which has been really nice. Yeah. So anyway, what I would say, and, and the reason why I'm bringing this up to you is because you, you mentioned drought earlier. We're familiar with North Dakota and the inconsistent rainfall. So, sometimes you're going to look at your wheat and go, yeah, we're, we're dry. I don't know that it's worth it to spray at flag leaf because now it's a whole separate application. Same thing at heading. So some years you're probably not going to do that. And the reason why I would want a, a different product out there earlier is to get a strobe in addition to like tilt is a trizol. With Nexacore, with Stratego, with, I mean, just about everybody's, they've got a strobe in there, and a strobilurin fungicide. Those give you some plant health benefits. And so that's going to help you fight that drought later on, in addition to giving you a little bit better disease control because you're, you're getting a stepped-up product in terms of the Trizol or SDHI or whatever else is in that pre, other premix. So... If it's me, that's what I would do. I'd run a low rate of Nexacore early, and then I'd come back with something else at Flagleaf. And there are a million different products. So I just talk to your local retailer, see what they've got, see what they suggest. It's no big deal. There are lots of them that are good. Just tell them, hey, I want something newer with at least a couple modes of action, and and you'll get something decent. Do you guys have a, a plant pathologist that? you recommend or, or does Midwest Labs do the type of plant pathology that we're talking about now and as it relates to fungus? Uh, no, we don't have anyone that we would necessarily recommend, but I would say every, pretty much every land grant university has one or more plant pathologists. So you could talk to like NDSU Extension and just say, hey, I've got this uh, this sample here, or I've got this plant that I need to figure out what disease this is. Where where should I send that? Who could I send that to? Who should I talk to? Because there are people within the NDSU Extension System that could help you. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I always appreciate your time. And I said uh, the discussion may have been a little anemic. Maybe I need to listen to it again, huh? <laughs> <laughs> There, there's a lot to talk about, and and, I'm, and Kelly, let me just say we we really appreciate the questions, and this is something we tell people all the time too. It, it, it just ask more if if you want more specific information, we can give you the answers to a lot of your questions out there. We've got all kinds of experience. We've worked with just tens of thousands of farmers for years and years and decades, and and we also know the background on a lot of these different products and how they work and why they work where they failed all kinds of stuff so we got lots of experience and it's hard to i know it seems like an oh man an hour every day we should be able to tell i should be able to tell you everything i know in that time but we we can't even come close so not that we're that smart or anything it's just we've been around a really long time and we have lots of experience so when you give us specific questions we really appreciate those and yeah there is a lot that can be done in wheat to improve yields disease control is 
one of those things. And I guess I just want to stress again for all of our listeners, the key thing with a fungicide, it's totally different than, than a post-emerge herbicide. You got to spray before you see the disease. If you do that, it's going to work so much better. And in your area in North Dakota, it's hard to pull that trigger sometimes because you go, I don't know if I got the yield potential and the income potential, but this year with the prices the way they are, um, I'd be spraying every acre if it was me. Well, I love it. Thanks for the information. Uh, always great to talk with you guys. So have a happy Memorial Day weekend. You bet. You too. Thanks, Kelly. Appreciate it. All right. Let's head over to Michigan. Get Ben out with us right now. Ben, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? We are doing pretty well. We're doing pretty well. What's going on for you? Well, thanks for taking my call. Um, I've got kind of a bigger picture question about getting into small grain farming, small grain production. Uh, a little bit of context, my, my family and I are moving, we're city dwellers in the southwest right now, um, but we're moving up to northern Michigan uh, for the long term, and we bought some land up there. It's some high and dry sandy soil, and with the original intention of um, getting into some small fruit production up there and maybe some other horticultural crops, which I have a background in and I understand well, but um, kind of looking at the way the grain markets are headed and with climate change and you know increasing food scarcity, et cetera, I'm wondering if small grain production has um, a bright future from an economic standpoint as a long-term investment. Um, so my question is, what kind of investment does it take in terms of you know the size of land that you need to get started to make something potentially profitable? I know there's a lot of inqui- equipment that has to go into it, um, but is there like a certain acreage threshold where people can expect to you know, maybe be profitable growing wheat and barley and oats and that sort of thing. Um, whatever, whatever input you have on that question or that topic, I would appreciate. Ben, I'm glad you asked that question because a lot of people think, oh, you just have to farm ridiculous amounts of acres to make anything pay. We farm nine miles away from the city of Sioux Falls, which if you come from the city and you've you've been familiar with big cities, you're like, Sioux Falls, that's peanuts. It's only a quarter million people, whatever. Well, for us, I mean, it's the biggest city in the Dakotas. It's a big deal here. But my point here is a lot of the farmers that I've worked with over the years, they have a full-time job in Sioux Falls and then they farm on the side. They have used equipment They like working on equipment. Their equipment costs them almost nothing. They don't go buying new equipment all the time. They buy some of the new technology things to add on to their equipment, but they're farming on a small scale and they're profitable pretty much every year because for a lot of them, they're farming ground that they already owned, already paid for quite a few years ago. Uh, Or if they're renting, you know, the rent is at least halfway reasonable and, and they're fine. The, the, the more appropriate question, though, is, is small grain going to be profitable? It really depends on the area. Because like in my area, it's not because the, the cash rent isn't appropriate for what we can raise for yields here in a lot of cases. We have uh, warmer and very humid weather in the summer. Well, the more humid you are, the more disease you have, and the small grain doesn't seem to like it as well. But we can raise tremendous corn and soybeans. So I don't know exactly what is going to fit in that area you're talking about in in northern Michigan for sure. But if it's me, the other thing that I'm thinking about is when I'm going to a whole new area raising a crop, I haven't raised much before. I'm going to start on a real small scale. I might even have a bunch of stuff custom done to figure out what can I really get for yield and how can I make this pay. 
Uh, hey, Ben, we're up against a commercial break. If you have more questions or, or you want us to talk a little more about that, we sure can right after this. Stay tuned. This is Ag PhD Radio. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Here at Farm Shop MFG, we keep hearing from folks who've tried our germinators. Yeah, I'm Wayne Bossman. I was very impressed how they came up quicker and they're just better stand and really looking forward to using them this year. See what others are saying at farmshopmfg.com. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Maximum application flexibility. Maximum yields at harvest, whether or not. Relentless is the kind of control you'll always get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Low use rate Anthem Max Herbicide protects corn and soybean crops from the toughest broadleaf weeds and grasses, including water hemp, palmer pigweed, foxtails, crabgrass, and more. Dual modes of action and lasting overlapping residuals also help you minimize resistance in your fields. Its easy to tank mix formulation and wide application window make Anthem Max Herbicide the crop protection choice that's ready when you are. Rain or shine. Weather or not, relentless. That's Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio here on a Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call in, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. It's what Ben did. He's calling from Michigan. And uh, right before the break, Ben had just said, is moving from a city in the southwestern United States up to northern Michigan and just talking about crop potential crop farming up there. So, Ben, what other questions do you have for us? Yep. Um, I just got one more question, and I'll let you guys get to the next caller. But um, like I said before, we got our we bought some high and dry sandy soil, mostly because it's appropriate for some of the horticultural crops we want to grow, small fruit, et cetera. Yep. Um, and I was going to do kind of what you had recommended, grow some test plots. 
of some small grains and yeah. maybe even see if we can get a corn um, corn to mature up there. I may be too far north. But uh, my question for you is, are we going to be fighting an uphill battle trying to grow grain on sandy soil? Generally speaking, I know there's a lot to do with whether or not you can irrigate yep. um, and how much fertility you can apply, et cetera. But kind of global perspective, um, would that be appropriate long-term or would I need to look for something that's got a little bit more clay or silt? Sure. So do you know what the cation exchange capacity is? Uh, I haven't done formal testing on okay. it yet, I've, but, but it's going to be low because it's, it's coarse. Yeah, I'm just wondering how low we're really talking about. Because sometimes people say they have sandy soil and it's a 15 cation exchange capacity. And I'm going, well, that's not that sandy. Now, if you have a 5 CEC, that's a little bit different. And I am familiar. We've had plenty of other people we've worked with in northern Michigan. So it, it could be either or. I don't know. But yeah, if, if let's say it is a 5 cation exchange capacity, that's real sandy. Now, granted, you're not hot there. And so it's even like here in South Dakota, the reason we can raise as good of crops as we do on 22 to 24 inches of annual precip on our farm is because we're cool in the summer. So we're not burning up. But nevertheless, right. when you're sandy, you got to have some moisture. So without right. irrigation, it's going to be hard unless you got the land really cheap. If you got the land really cheap, it's different. You don't need to have that much yield to justify the the payments, the cost, and everything else. You just cut your population back, cut your fertility back, cut everything back, and you might turn out okay. But, yeah, it's – I mean, to think that, oh, we're going to raise corn here consistently and we had to pay a fair amount for the ground, and you're going to do that without irrigation on sand like that, that's eh, going to be tough. Okay, and then a follow-up question to that then is, and I, sorry if you can't pin this down, but no, go ahead. cost per acre of land that gets you into that that inexpensive zone where you could justify low input uh, <laughs> production. Yeah, uh, well, it depends yep. on what you want for a return on investment. <laughs> I mean, to me, I don't buy into all the. Um, I, I know I would say this when when. I got into farming. There were a lot of people at that time, oh, man, the world's going to run short of food and all this. And when I talked to my grandpas, they would say the same thing. Well, that's what they told us when we got into farming, and here we are. Yep. So it, it's I don't know if I buy a lot of that stuff. I think think it's kind of one of those things of, boy, it's the greatest time ever. It's the worst time ever. No, it's just the only time that you're really familiar with. I, so I don't think that's yep. the big thing long term. I, I think long term, man, if you can do some of those um, – fruits and vegetables like you're talking about wow i think that's the best the best money but okay let, let me let me put it to you this way ben in in our area right now ground is selling for ten thousand dollars an acre plus if if you're going to oh, wow. pay ten thousand dollars an acre plus you have to have at least 200 bushel corn and quite frankly if i don't get 220 to 240 i'm going to go yeah, it's going to be a little tough in a normal year now this year with commodity prices you can do anything but to dare what dare where darren's going with this is we do not believe these high commodity prices are going to last long probably another uh -huh. year beyond that it's pretty questionable uh, if you look historically, whenever the U.S. dollar gets stronger, you know what happens with commodity prices? They go down. Yeah, they go down. That's right. Yep. So we believe that in a couple, three years, we're going to see lower commodity prices. Now, I hope they don't get too low, but but anyway. So if, let's say, I was only paying $5,000 an acre for ground, well, now I can get by with a lot less yield on my corn. I could probably get by with 140 160 180 something like that, and I, I could probably make it. But, yeah, it's it's all relative and and... and 
we have to continue to hope that things will get better for drought-tolerant hybrids. And, I, I mean, there are, there are a lot of changes that keep coming all the time, so that's why it's hard to be predictive 20 years out or anything else. But, anyway, if, if I got real sandy ground and I don't have irrigation, it's, it's pretty tough if I've had to pay top dollar. Right. No, that makes perfect sense. I really appreciate the input, gentlemen. That was an interesting discussion. And uh, I'll stay tuned and listen to what you guys have to say going forward. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Ben. Uh, Ben brings up irrigation. I would just say, too, you have to be real careful. Different areas can have irrigation. Some can't. Like for us, I thought, oh, we could, let's just irrigate. You know what? We can't right here because we have solid granite below us and we can't get enough water out unless we were to go through the granite. And every well driller I've talked to has said, yeah, guys have tried to do that before and they ran out of money every single time. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. So I can't get below that granite. I can't dig a well deep enough to have massive amounts of water right where I'm at. So it's just, you got to be careful of that if you think, oh, I'll just irrigate anywhere I'm at. All right, uh, let's go back to the phone lines. we got Cindy Heidelberger with us right now with Groundworks and South Dakota Ag in the Classroom. Cindy, great to have you on. Good to hear and see you, Mr. Darren. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, you've got a pretty exciting event coming up this summer with the first ever uh, (laughs) Education and Agriculture Conference. Talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, this is a wonderful opportunity, a collaboration. This is two years in the making, um, and SDSU came on last year about this time, so it's a joy to be able to work with Dr. Don and and the folks over there in the ag department, the education department. This is a chance. This is the first ever. This, there's no nothing like this happening anywhere in the nation. That we're bringing agriculturists, producers, commodities, our leaders together with education folk, um, and bringing them into the same space. One to honor them, to thank them. Um, to lift up the work that they do and the legacy that they build on a daily basis, but also to learn with and collaborate with one another. Um, so this is a chance where our agriculturists can tour um, and, and demo what's going on in their field, no pun intended, but also um, you know, work one-on-one with our educators and see if we can do some collaborative partnerships moving forward throughout the year um, coming up for school. This is really fun, and I, I'm glad you're doing this because we, we get so many requests when we talk to people that are in education. Boy, there isn't enough connectivity here with what's actually mm-hmm. going on in agriculture, and so mm-hmm. we, we aren't able to keep up with what you're doing. Uh, can you share more? <laughs> and you finally got something lined up, and hopefully this is a, um, an event that, that others around the country can build on to. I hope so. And this is, you know, being an inaugural event, you know, we're kind of leaning into it. So a lot of this is going to be introductory. It's going to be learning what is going on in agriculture here and now. What's going on in the future? What's setting the course for this? But also what's going on in education? Um, Both groups have really had a tough couple of years. So it's really being able to partner with each other and glean what's taking place and what do you need from us? Um, Because even the calendars don't necessarily match up. There's language and there's vocabulary that both groups have and operate out of that the other one doesn't necessarily understand. It doesn't make it bad. It doesn't make it, you know, wrong. It's just we don't, I throw around, you know, standards and curriculum and benchmarks and and most of our ag folk wouldn't necessarily, you know, um, grab onto that. Whereas many of our ag folks have language and understanding and vocabulary that they use on a daily basis that most of us in education, it flies right over our head because that's not on our working radar every day. So we really want to be able to break down those silos and be able to communicate with each other and see the value 
of what the other one brings to the table because there is so much value to to what each group is doing. Well, and it starts at the top like this to ultimately end down to students. And when you work with South Dakota Ag in the classroom, it's just so fun to see kids embrace agriculture and get excited about that. Uh, I know you got a big plan for that going forward as well, Cindy. Yes. So the online program, Tour South Dakota, has seen about, um, you know, 141 of 145 school districts. We're holding steady at about 92% of the state of South Dakota being covered um, with that program. But we're also uh, working with the State Department of Education to look at developing a fifth grade curriculum called Science and Agriculture. And I know, darn well, that's going to be right up your alley um, over there. And so that is looking at how can we marry the story of agriculture right along with science so it's integrated seamlessly into their classroom, much like the social studies aspect is for us in the fourth grade. And this is a time when our Department of Ed is going to be looking at the science standards and revamping those. So the opportunity to be able to look at that right now and and move forward with oh, this concept perfect. and a new plan is really excited. It's fun when the timing just works out on some of these things. And the timing was right for the first ever Education and Agriculture Conference. Uh, We're talking with Cindy Heidelberger here with South Dakota Ag in the Classroom. Thanks, Cindy. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Warehouse, what can we do for you? Yeah, I'm looking for some nitrogen. All right, we're running low and it's awful pricey, but uh, let me check. Hold. The answer to low supply and high prices for nitrogen is Invita, a microbe with systemic nitrogen fixation. Invita works throughout the foliage and roots, providing a right place, right time source of nitrogen to maximize yield in corn, wheat, and soybeans. Yeah, we're all out, but... You know what? I'll take some of that Invita. <laughs> That's what I was going to recommend. Book your Invita while supplies last. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more. And don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio here in the Morton studio. We're taking your calls and questions, and we've got our nephew Graham on to take some of those calls. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. you got Jim on with us right now just down the road in South Dakota. Jim, how's it going? Good. Hey, aren't there child labor laws that apply to you guys or not? <laughs> I don't know. I think I think he's our boss today, Jim. So we're just we're just hanging in there All doing right. what he tells us. Oh, that's good. Um, I was looking at using some resicor. I just planted some corn. It's kind of a project field, an old kit, and it's it's. Uh, I had a lot of weeds in it, and um, I was going to put my agronomist guy deal with over there at a store owned by a couple of brothers west of me. He's pretty nice, and uh, he said Resicor would be pretty good because I had used SureStart when I had some other, but you got to get that in big bulk. Last year, I think I used it, and uh, but Resicor would be okay if, before it comes up to get on there yet. You can use it before it comes up or after it comes up, yes. So Resicor, it's going to contain the active ingredients found in Surpass, Callisto, okay. and Stinger. So what rate were you looking at running? Uh I think he said 1.75 pints to the acre. I've got it written here, and I'm heading over to get it from him. So I think I'm pretty certain 1.75 to 2, I think he said. It's a little lighter soil. And oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to mix. I'm going to put Roundup down, too, because there's some weeds I couldn't discount. It's a it's a problem field, and it's I don't pay much rent on it or didn't pay sure. much for it. Yeah. And uh, I might throw a pint of... Uh, Banvil or 2,4-D in because the corn is not up, and I dug last night, and it's just got a little sprout. It's going to be a bit sure on the bottom. Yep. Would that be okay? Uh, yes. Yep. Or whatever. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. You can definitely do that. Okay. So let me just- A little atrazine, Brian, or not? If you want to throw some atrazine in, you can do that as well. Now, here's, here's I guess, my question for you. Are you hoping that you spray this one time, and you're done for the season? Or are you- are, Well- are you looking at? Oh, I got to. No, I know I'm gonna have to I come just back. Would like, to, I'd like to get ahead of it for once. Last year it was flooded. It's by the Vermilion River. So yep. Last year I started uh, farming this, and it had been flooded two, three years. So there's this barky tree stuff, and there's a lot of trees in there too. Um, and I started hitting it last year, and it it wasn't the greatest stand, and it it was hard. There's a lot of junk in there, and and so this year I want to just get ahead of it. I plan on spraying at least once more probably with what at that point well i suppose some banville and roundup again i don't know sure you're tell me what would be working you know a lot more than me about this well the, the the reason why i'm asking the question is a lot of people say okay i'm going to save my dicamba for post but if you want to or, or you could use it pre and post but if you spray dicamba post here's our number one concern drift over to soybeans because we're already what's today may 27th and your corn isn't out of the ground uh 
So you're going to be coming back, let's call it the middle of June or maybe later. And so we're, we're really worried about that. So if you don't go dicamba, honestly, I don't know what you're going to do because you've now burned up your HPPD. So generally speaking, I do not recommend Resicor pre-emerge. I'll recommend it post all day long, but it, and, and it's fine if you're going to go pre and you think, oh, I'm just going to be done. And if there are a few weeds that come back, whatever, I don't care. I'll let them go to see. I don't care. That's a different story. But my fear is that you're going to go spray dicamba, have some drift issue, and then we got a, we got a concern. So if it's me, like on our farm, I'll just tell you what we did. We went out there with a – so our pre, in the exact same situation you were in, we did a pre of harness, just straight harness, or it could be surpass or dual or whatever. I don't care. And then we're going to come along and spray that Resicor post. But, I, I mean, okay. you can certainly do this if you want to. I'm not saying you can't. Well, I, just, I just thought this is such a problem field. It sat there flooded and yep. and then weed seed for three years and then we had the wet years and uh, said last year's first year I did it. And, uh, yep. it, I just, uh, and I, I hate to put too much on early because sometimes it floods easily. It's right by the Vermilion River there. Yeah. No, and, uh, no, I know. I get but, you. So, so would you use surpass now instead or something then, or what would you use? Well, okay. So I don't know the, I don't know the field. I don't know the weeds. I don't know all the stuff. Uh-huh. And I'm going to apologize, Jim, because I got, I got a bunch of other callers here we got to get to today. Yep. But I would just say, if it's me, I would consider saving the reservoir for post and switching things around. And here on okay. this pre-side, if you wanted to run the dicamba and round up and throw a little bit of a group 15 in now, that's maybe the way that I go. You get everything burned down. You get that banvel out there now so it doesn't hurt anything. Okay. Uh, and you could throw a little bit of a group 15. And then you could come back with the reservoir in a couple of weeks. That's probably how I'd flip it around. So, okay, But, yeah, just talk to the agronomist a little again. bit. Yeah, just talk to the agronomist okay. a little more, and they can kind of run through that with you a little more. Hey, Jim, we got to run, but okay. uh, thanks a lot for the call. Thank Appreciate you it. You bet. Let's head down to Iowa. Here we got Tony Wendler on with us right now with Farm Shop MFG. Tony, how you doing? I'm doing excellent, Darren. Beautiful sunny day here in Iowa. Oh, finally, finally. <laughs> we we need the warm weather for sure. Uh, I know you take a lot of questions, Tony. What are you getting for questions right now? You know, a lot of it this last week has been everybody that's in problem areas with the rain. We have moved a whole bunch of closing wheels. People are talking about closing their furrows. And uh, the aspects of that, different conditions. Uh, so the conversation has really been a lot on planting. And it's, uh, it's every place that got rain, Kansas, uh, Minnesota, Dakotas, Wisconsin. Um, unbelievable number of, uh, I just loaded literally three pallets of wheels. Wow. So, wow. and wow. It's, what's, what's kind of fun, uh, one individual's got multiple planters. He outfitted 124 row with our wheels back in March, and uh, he just ordered 127 more wheels, says he's got a couple of other planters, and this is the only thing that's closing the furrows. You know, that's been, so, it's been quite, a, quite a season, and guys are seeing some different conditions, and I think this is one thing that's interesting too, Tony, that uh, you had such good luck in the dry conditions that a lot of guys are facing last year. Now they're turning to the same solution that's working really good in the wet conditions. What's different about it? You know, the at the end of the day, uh, the uh, the shoulder with the way it firms the seed zone is the number one thing. The uh, I look at it this way. 
that the shoulder was awesome in the dry conditions, the way it uh, created that firm vein and pinned those seeds to the moist soil below. Uh, in the wet conditions, the spikes are doing a lot of work. They're destroying the sidewall. We're still getting that firm zone, and uh, it's these things close the furrow. So it's uh, spikes are important this year. Last year, I would rate the number one uh, was the shoulder, and the shoulder is always a good thing. So yeah. those are the, the two components that are helping us to look better than other spiked closing wheels. Well, we sure encourage everybody, get out, look at your stand, see what kind of emergence you're getting. And then uh, if you're still planting, this is a great opportunity when you've got time in between uh, before the next field's ready. Look at what you've already got in the ground. See if there's things that you say, man, I wish that was a little bit different. And then be willing to try some things. Uh, like we're just talking about closing wheels here and what a difference that can make. I, I would say this too, Tony, just much to echo what you've said. Uh, I was talking to an agronomist just yesterday who was out. He had a farmer that, that said, man, I'm not having the greatest emergence out here. And he found lots of areas out in the field where that trench was open. And he said, you didn't even get your trench closed. Yeah. What happened here? And and sure enough, uh, it was just the wet conditions. Yeah. And that get, always gives you a sick feeling when you go back and you find that. So yeah. real quick, Tony, we're, we're about out of time, but how was your crop? Did you survive the frost and, and all those things in your area? Did not... Now, as it turns out, I've got a son in uh, the Air Force. He's in the Pentagon, and I went to visit him last week. So I wasn't here for the frost, but my crops look good. I've just had a couple days back. My crops look really good and, uh, you know, got them in right before I left. And I'm really pleased with how things look. Um, I'm kind of, for having been in a, in a dry area the last few years, I really feel I'm in a blessed township right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, Tony, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on today and, and uh, have a great Memorial Day weekend. Thank you. And you too. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. We're going to dive into the Ag PhD mailbag when we get back, but there's still time for your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can always email us radio at agphd.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. At AgPhD, we want to support anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free AgPhD Scouting and Scholarships event. 
In-field sessions include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees, so this is one event that you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, and our phone lines will continue to be open at 844-44-AG-PHD if you have an agronomic question. But got this one from Matthew, and he's up in North Dakota. He said, guys, I wanted to put on my PNK before we planted, but with time restraints, wasn't able to. Is it crazy to spread dry PNK after planting? We're wet here, and they're talking wet until July, hoping that some of this might be available later this summer. The phosphorus, almost none of that will be available later this summer, and the K, some will. But, yeah, you're going to have to have a lot of rain to get that K down into the ground. So, yeah, it is a little bit crazy to spread it after you plant. Um I would have a tough time doing that on my farm and spending that much money knowing that so little is going to get used this year. My hope would be that fertilizer prices are going to go down next year. They aren't going to go down by this fall, I don't believe, but maybe by next spring they might. So what I'm saying here is you're going to spend an all-time high for a fertilizer price and you're going to get, well, if you've always put your fertilizer in the ground and incorporated whatever, you're going to get an all-time low for fertilizer availability. <laughs> so that's not a fantastic combination, but let's look at it the other way. If you don't put this on, how good is your crop going to be? Because you'll get a tiny percentage of that phosphorus that'll get into the plant. I'm, I'd say 2 to 5%. You might get 30% of that K to get into the plant. So, I, I mean... It, it can help you some. It's just, it's an unfortunate deal. Now, in as an alternative, let me just throw this out here. 
if, if it, this was my farm and I was in that situation, what would I do? I'd consider either pulling out one of our old cultivators. Uh, oh, so basically I, sp- I spread it on the ground and I pull out a cultivator so it does now get below the ground. And, uh, so I might do that. I could also inject the fertilizer. So I mean, there are other ways to do it. And I'm just saying, if you can get it into the ground at all, you're going to be better off than leaving it on the soil surface. All right. Thanks for the question. Good luck to you. I get this one from Pat, kind of right on that uh, North Dakota, South Dakota border in the western part of those states. He said, uh, after Memorial Day, we're going to put in some express tolerant sunflowers. And right now there are a lot of really small, like less than half inch tall kochia in these fields uh, that that we're going to put sunflowers in. So I'm wondering, products like Authority Supreme, Authority Elite, uh, Prowl H2O, if I'm putting a combination out of a couple of those, do yep. you, do they have enough burn down activity to kill these tiny little kochia weeds? Doubtful. Or will I need something else with that? What other combos should I be considering? Okay. So yeah, you want to get authority out there. Let's say you were doing authority, supreme, or elite. You're talking about a group 15 there. I I like prowl a lot. I like spartan charge. We got the aim in there. Exactly. That's that's my favorite sulfentrazone yes. combo product. Yep. And, and definitely like to have the prowl in there as well. That's right. So now, the prowl doesn't have any burn down, of nope, course. But, nope, it does great residual. Nope, but spartan is the same thing as authority. That has some burn down, okay? So the group 15s, the, the yellows, they have none. So if you were to do what Darren just suggested, go Spartan Charge, that's got the Spartan, or Authority, uh, plus AIM. And AIM is really good at burndown. So I would do that, and I'd probably throw some crop oil with it. So if it's me, I'm going Spartan Charge plus crop oil, and I've got Prowl out there. Now, the only other thing you could do to really ramp it up is you could throw in Germoxone. So you're going to spend an extra 10 bucks if you wanted to do that, but then you would definitely burn everything down. Otherwise, you could certainly try this and see how it shakes out. You will get also better response if, let's say, the day is 80 degrees, it's sunny, and you're spraying in the middle of the day, spraying in the heat of the day. So these these PPO products like Spartan and AIM, and for that matter, even Gramoxone, they respond better when there's sunlight and when there's heat. Okay, thanks for the question. Got this one from Joey in Indiana. He said, uh, I'm an agronomist in southern Indiana, and I've got a grower that's uh, going for a yield contest field here in corn. Uh, The main question is, I want to keep this field weed-free, and it's perfectly clean right now at V5. We want to keep it that way. I'm nervous about atrazine and metolachlor due to the potential of hurting my crop. We don't want to set anything back. What would you want to throw out there to have some residual for the rest of the season that would be safe? Group 15 and atrazine. Yeah, that's exactly what I'd be doing too. First of all, atrazine's never going to hurt corn. You are never going to hurt your corn with atrazine. I don't care what the stage is. Now, you can't spray atrazine. Right, you can't spray atrazine past the time it's a foot tall. And that's not about injury. That's not about injury. Right, so don't even worry about that. Atrazine, it's fine. With the group 15, you want to use, well, they have a safened, and an unsafened group 15, whether it's dual or harness or surpass, I, I get that. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you talk. everybody talks about these safeners, okay? The safeners 
really matter when that plant is germinating and when it's just getting started. At this point, doesn't really matter. Now, granted, they the group 15s have some oils in there. So that that is going to heat it up a little bit and and give you some leaf response. But in terms of actually injuring the crop, oh, I seriously doubt it. And if you don't believe me, this is something by the way that we often say here on the show. If there's ever something you don't believe us on, then just try it in the field. And do a side-by-side, and you will see what I'm telling you. The metolachlor is not going to hurt that corn. So that's what I do. There's there's really nothing better that I can think of to give you residual late into the season. Now, certainly you could do an HPPD, but I don't I don't know what you've already done. That's, that's the problem here. I, I, I know that if you had already put on some metolachlor, you can certainly put a little more on. But if you've already put some HPPD out there, you can't put more on if you want to avoid a carryover issue next year. So those are the things that I'm thinking in my head. It's HPPD. It's one of the group 15s and it's a little bit of atrazine just don't get too carried away in the atrazine or you end up contaminating somebody's groundwater or having a carryover issue for next year all right thanks for the question got this from wade and wade's in western kansas he said very dry western kansas he said guys i got a piece of formerly crp grass i'm bringing back into production uh, i'm going to raise some no-till corn in it this year uh, my main question is how to get good control of grasses. Uh, so far, I'm not having much luck getting the deep-rooted grasses like the brome and, and bunch grass killed. I sprayed it twice. First time, uh, panther, atrazine, banvel, and 40 ounces of 5.5-pound Roundup. This did well on the shallower grasses but didn't ding these tough ones. Uh, then I came back with straight Roundup, 72 ounces plus some 32% fertilizer trying to heat it up. Now that's a problem right there, Wade. Yep. Uh, he had problems both times. Nitrogen can hurt I'll, I'll get into that. Okay. Now, he Go said ahead. it smoked all the grass, but, of course, the deep-rooted stuff, it didn't. So corn was just put into the ground yesterday, hoping to catch some rain. Uh, any idea of what I can put out there? Halex, GT, Lotus, Impact, anything else that you guys would think to use? Okay, so we're planting corn, and it was do, CRP grass. He wants to do just one more application and be done. That's his hope. Okay, first of all, I got to go back to what I said before with Joey from Indiana on the corn deal, and he was asking, all right, the corn's already at V5. Once you get past about V6, V7, any weeds that come in typically do not hurt yield. So I forgot to mention that a little earlier. With this question, Roundup absolutely is the very best thing on killing CRP grass. And 72 ounces of Roundup should have done the job. Uh, I mean, I don't know. If we're talking four pounds, I how think, much don't know how well, much fertilizer you put with well, it, though, and that actually hurts you in terms of control. I, you can go up to, if I remember right, 96 ounces of four-pound glyphosate. But anyway, just go the highest labeled rate, okay? But you've got to do it with just ammonium sulfate. If you don't have ammonium sulfate in there, you're going to have tie-up, and the Roundup is going to be lesser by the time you get out to the field. You, you can use other sequestering agents, too, other than ammonium sulfate, but we like ammonium sulfate the best. Do not put Banvel in. That'll shut the plant down before the Roundup gets to kill the root system. Do not put fertilizer in there because a lot of times fertilizer has contaminants in it, and that will also partially neutralize the Roundup. So that's the reason why your Roundup didn't work as well as it should have each of those first two times. So what do you do at this point? I, I mean, honestly, I'm spraying more Roundup. That's what will. That's the very best thing in your CRP grass. In terms of for other weeds, what else are you going to use? I mean, it, it's whatever you would normally use in your area. I don't care. 
for for normal for normal weeds i mean you got plenty of options halex is fine loudest is fine but i mean you want to ideally probably get a group 15 out there too hey thanks for the question good luck to you uh it should be uh hopefully you guys catch some rain too that'll really help things a lot thanks for listening to our show today and be sure to join us again each weekday for more ag phd radio